Young business leaders, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki, and I have an exciting podcast for us today. Uh, we've talked a little bit about um, how I always say exciting, which, but I, I feel like for the most part, a lot of the different conversations we have are exciting. And for me, this has actually been a couple of weeks since I've uh, been able to record, so I'm excited to get uh, get back behind the microphone and start talking to you guys today. Um, if you remember back a couple of episodes ago, uh, Kellen and I sat down and talked about our experience when we went to Chick-fil-A corporate and we learned a little bit about that organization. We learned about its culture and we learned about it, its history and leadership. And so we kind of discussed on our side what we learned from that and how that really impacted us as leaders and the things that we were doing. And uh, one of the things that we talked about was uh, we actually had an opportunity to sit down at lunch, or at least I had an opportunity with some of the other guys to sit down at lunch and speak to Mark Cathy. So Truett, uh, Truett Cathy is the founder. Uh, Dan Cathy is the CEO and president, I believe, uh, of Chick-fil-A. And he actually spent some time with us a little bit later on in that afternoon. Um, but from Truett to Dan, and then all, all the way down to Mark, we were we were able to kind of experience what it meant to work at Chick-fil-A, what the culture uh, was for them and, and, and how they tried to actually communicate that, how they tried to instill that in their employees all the way down to the restaurant level in, in, the, in the city and town that you live in. And so Mark actually sat with us for a little bit at lunch and I was just blown away by um, just how how much true it had impacted his life and how the organization from a third generation um, from a third generation family member being involved in the business and just how the passion continued to flow all the way down to that level so uh, I had mentioned to him I, I floated it out there hey man we would love to bring you on and, and kind of try to recreate some of the conversation that we had at that lunch table uh, with you the audience for the podcast and uh, he actually reached out and said absolutely would love to be a part of the podcast and so i'm going to read a quick little bio and then i'll have mark say hello to you guys and we'll go ahead and jump into this mark kathy serves on the operational support team at chick-fil-a as one of chick-fil-a founder s truett kathy's grandchildren mark is part of the third generation of the kathy family to take the leadership role at the quick serve restaurant chain he is the eldest son of donald bubba kathy executive vice president of chick-fil-a and, and president of the dorf house inc Prior to joining Chick-fil-A uh, at the home office uh, in 2009, Mark was a Chick-fil-A restaurant operator in California for two years. His first role at the home office was, a, was as a business consultant, advising operations on ways to grow the business and help them solve challenges unique to their restaurant. Mark graduated from the University of Georgia in 2004 with a Bachelor of Science degree in business management. He then received his executive MBA for entrepreneurial management from Pepperdine University in 2010. Mark and his wife Amy live in Atlanta with their three children. His favorite pastimes include beach volleyball, surfing, and joining the Young Business Leader podcast. So Mark, say hello to everybody and uh, tell them maybe a little bit more about yourself if you can. Oh, great. Thanks, Evan. I, I remember you guys coming and visiting with us. It was uh, pretty cool that an operator, Arthur Greeno, there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, is a great friend and uh, incredible leader. Uh, in Chick-fil-A, the Chick-fil-A restaurant. So it was really cool him inviting you guys to come down and spend a little bit of time with us. So it was, uh, it was great to have you guys as visitors to come and um, spend time with us. It was really an honor to have you guys. <laughs> well, thank you. The honor was definitely uh, reciprocated on our end as well. We were blown away 
uh, by the amount of time that you were willing to spend with us because uh, it, it, when you go out to the facility that you guys have out there uh, and the amount of executives that we actually talked to um, was was really cool because I didn't feel like when we were there that that there was any priority greater than us at that time. And so knowing just kind of you know, what it's like to be a leader in my own business and obviously the other guys, we were really blown away by the amount of time that you guys spent with people from out of state that really didn't necessarily benefit anything that you guys were doing. But uh, at the same time, um, for us, we felt like we were the most important people there at that time. My grandfather actually had that way of uh, doing that. He, he made everybody feel like the most important person in the world. It was one thing that, uh, one of the things that I admire most about him. But um, I guess for, for me, my, I'd say um, my identity kind of is a Christ and Christ follower. Mm -hmm. I'm a husband, a father. And uh, for, for me, a little bit about my story. You know, I said from the time I was a little kid that I wanted to work at Chick-fil-A and be a dad. So I feel like I'm nailing it now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so uh, my part of my story is also my mom. Uh, she she uh, really encouraged me to, um, I, after talking about Chick-fil-A and all this kind of stuff, she said it really encouraged me to go outside of Chick-fil-A. She was like, hey, you need to look at something else. So she tried uh, to encourage me to be a marine biologist, believe mm -hmm. it or not. So I was studying like Jacques Cousseau and I got into marine life and marine animals and um, but, uh, for me, that kind of newer, uh, that was my passion was, uh, Chick-fil-A and I worked there in high school. Um, it was, uh, it was interesting for me as a, as a kid though. Um, I was called chicken boy at school. <laughs> so, so for, for me dealing, uh, with that, you know, I kind of, I kind of fought it honestly, um, because I didn't want to be seen as any different from anybody else. And for, for me, it was a um, type of deal where um, I was really uh, focused on what other people's perceptions were uh, of me and uh, kind of the silver spoon, a lot of the, the things that uh, people talk about when you talk about the, the generation um, of things being passed down. So for me, that was uh, one of the things that was, for me as a kid, um, really challenging. And I, I wanted to kind of... Uh, prove uh, that I was different from uh, those uh, types of uh, stigma stereotypes um, that go on. Well, you hit on a really important topic there. <laughs> um, I mean, we're talking about identity at that point. And so in knowing kind of who you are, I mean, you had other people that were trying to define who you were and they were almost uh, projecting onto you uh, different things. And uh, I think at that time it was probably pretty rough like nobody wants to be called chicken boy um and <laughs> at, at, it's possible that um at some point you you resented a little bit of that uh I, I could see where maybe that would that would be something that i would resent as a child um but at the same point you know you know you know that you love chick-fil-a you know that that's a part of your family that's a part that is a part of your identity and so at what point or what was kind of the turning point in you in either embracing that or uh, getting to the point where uh, it didn't bother you anymore? Because I think that's something that everybody deals with. Everybody has a history and, and, and insecurities. And a lot of times, you know, other people are, are trying to do this stuff, maybe because they like you and they're wanting to give you a hard time. But I think there's always some truth to, a, uh, to that a little bit. And so maybe they're trying to take a little jabs at you so they feel better about themselves. And so 
Can you talk a little bit about that journey in terms of that turning point for you in terms of where you went from maybe resenting that to embracing it? Yeah, for for me, when I got uh, into college, it was a little bit more um, for me getting into a time where you kind of you're learning more about yourself and uh, constantly uh, kind of growing and from a faith standpoint, uh, developing as a, a Christian, as a Christ follower was a, a big part of that. And then I'd say for my wife and I, we um, decided and I was doing those first 100 grand opening type experiences. Are you familiar with that? Where you, you camp out before a grand opening oh, of yeah. a Chick-fil-A restaurant and uh, you get 52 free meals. for So Chick-fil-A for a year uh, is as part of that. And so I was going and participate in some of those for my spring breaks and college breaks and going to do those out in California. And I said, what a better place to snowboard and surf in the same day than <laughs> out in California. So I was, uh, I was out there and getting to participate in some of those grand openings and tell the Chick-fil-A story out there, which was a blast. But uh, for me, um, after I graduated, that's where I wanted to go and be with Chick-fil-A and move to uh, California. And I was a newlywed after I graduated. And so um, said uh, said we would move out there. But part of my part of that ex- growth experience for me and my identity was I was out in California where nobody knew or cared uh, about uh, the last name uh, Kathy and nobody uh, knew about the the family. They thought it had started in Texas and uh, they didn't know what uh, kind of a lot about it at all. And so for for us, my wife and I it was a, a chance for us to kind of uh, really get to know one another and to uh, um, as a new couple and kind of, uh, it was, it was really a, a really cool experience. So that I would say that was a big part of it. And then once we moved back to Atlanta being a part of, uh, some community groups, honestly, or a group of friends, um, that, uh, uh, other couples where I really got into just kind of the identity and, and focusing on identity and how do you, uh, what is your identity? And part of that, um, it, at, at first is if, if you break it all down, it's about, um, for me, it's about uh, being a Christ follower and mm-hmm. and uh, kind of starting at, at that because um, and I'll probably talk a little bit more about this uh, later on. But it's uh, you, we can identify with a lot of different roles in our life. But um, if you, if that one, um, I believe I was created to kind of be a, uh, a to glorify God. So that's a, that's part of the story and that what I went through and when when. Uh, when you, when I'm able to focus on that, the kind of the thoughts and the, the pressures of others kind of uh, fall away at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, the reason I kind of tap into that a little bit is just the audience that we're talking to today is that that young business leader, probably at that point that they've just graduated college and they're kind of finding themselves in in that uh, in that world where they're they're really trying to figure out who they are. I mean, up until that point, there's been a lot of people pouring into them through education and through whatever else. And I think when I think back to my leadership journey, whenever I found myself in that leadership role, my my impression of what a leader was, was I'm now in charge of people. I have this title, so therefore they'll respect me. Um, and so it doesn't matter what I do. I, and it really doesn't, my leadership, does. it doesn't matter You know who they are. They just, they work for me. And so over time and, and through a lot of trial and error, I was able to kind of reprioritize that part of it. But I, I, I think that uh, it's important that you kind of bring up your identity in Christ in this, because I know that's definitely near and dear to your heart. But I think it's important to that when you have that identity in there, 
um, to uh, to emulate what Christ does and, and to have that be a core uh, belief in who you are, about who I am or, or, or what they think I am. I already know who God created me to be, and I already know what what it means to be uh, in Christ's family. And so, when those outside attacks come, and those 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 things that you know, people say that, that can hurt you and cut right to your heart, um, you can compare that to who you know who you are, and it doesn't bother you anyway. Like you said, it kind of fades away. And and I think it's really important too to kind of talk about like you were able to get away a little bit from. The uh, you know the Atlanta area where the Kathy name had kind of a lot of weight to it, and it's almost like, and, and I'm I'm curious that if you felt this way, maybe there was a little bit of a freedom to that because there was no longer an expectation that you had, like a preconceived ex- expectation. So you could actually be explore what it meant to be yourself first, and then eventually I think you began became uh, began to embrace a lot of the things and maybe uh, appreciate some of the things that you possibly took for granted. And now you're just like, yeah, no, that is my core identity. That is, you know, what, what it means to be a Kathy. This is important to me. And uh, I want to, I want to, I want to embrace that instead of potentially, you know, hold some resentment against that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And moving out there was a, a great chance for that. And it's also freedom from uh, my parents and the in-laws as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that right there is a whole other podcast. Yes. <laughs> well, I wanted to, uh, I don't want to make an assumption on, on some stuff, so I, I want to kind of uh, tee everything off with this. Um, and and I, I would love to get your perspective of what it means um, to to work at Chick-fil-A and to be a part of the Chick-fil-A uh, company. A, a lot of people would classify Chick-fil-A as a company that has like an aspirational culture. It's a culture that um, that a lot of people want to work for. Uh, it's, a, it's a company that you feel like your opinion matters. You feel like you're actually part of the family no matter what your last name is. And so I would be curious to kind of hear from your side, especially working at corporate and being a part of the family. What would you say it's like to be a part of Chick-fil-A to somebody who hasn't necessarily experienced that. Maybe they've been into an actual restaurant, but they don't necessarily know what it means to be a part of the culture. How would you describe that? I, I guess for a lot of people that haven't experienced it, I guess you do get a hint of it walking into a, a Chick-fil-A restaurant. Um, you get a hint for uh, hopefully like a, a service mentality, uh, yeah. the ability to see uh, people that uh, care and value other people. and. For for us, I think that that uh, that that care that we want people to see, feel, and hear, I think, is one that um, is a part of uh, my who my grandfather was. He, you know, one of his books was "Eat More Chicken, Inspire More People." Mm-hmm. Um, one of his last words to my uncle Dan uh, was, uh, "Take good care of yourself." And part of that uh, care is that inspiring people to take good care of each other. Um, as well. So I don't know this, this idea of care. One of the things that I, that I say is like, um, I had the opportunity to work outside of Chick-fil-A, but coming on board with uh, Chick-fil-A, one of the things that uh, is, is really uh, inspiring for me is the, the number of people that truly do care about you uh, and for uh, you to uh, succeed. And for me to, to feel that um, not only from a, a career standpoint and developmentally, uh, skill step standpoint it was also a, a chance to the care for me personally and my uh, marital relationships my, my family my kids my faith all that 
was part of this idea of um, this, uh, you know, kind of culture of, of caring for one another. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun uh, to be in, a, in an area and work with people that uh, really challenge you in all areas of your life. So that's, that's one of the ways that I describe the culture. Yeah, one of the key takeaways that I had from our meetings there was, I can't remember who said it, I, I think it was Dan. But he said something to the effect of when it comes to like employees and, 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 and losing employees or firing employees, they don't view that as the fault of the employee, but they view that as a fault in management in terms of like we've, we've failed this employee. We weren't able to get them kind of to the level that we wanted to get them to instead of kind of placing the blame on the employee and saying, well, they weren't a fit for us or they, did, they, did, they didn't do a good job or whatever else. And so I think that kind of illustrates a little bit of the care that you're talking about because it, they they view as as a company and as a culture that it's their job to impart and help those uh, employees grow uh, in their leadership journey and in, in their roles in the company so that you don't necessarily lose employees you or you don't have to fire employees because um, you've exhausted every resource and you've invested in them so that they kind of uh, are given every opportunity to be a, a very integral role in the company. And I don't know that um, all companies view it that way. And for me, that was kind of something that I had to step back from and say, okay, when I lose an employee or I have to let an employee go or if I have to make a change in something, is that that's a failure on my end. Like I didn't do uh, as much as I potentially could have to help that employee and it kind of it, it kind of changes your perspective on uh, when situations come up and, and when things happen and so um, I, I believe that's a part of what you're talking about absolutely a lot of operators uh, in I that we work with and it's uh, really interesting to see uh, see them and I almost say, even say uh, one of the lessons learned is sometimes it, it isn't the right fit um, and it's uh, it doesn't work for whatever reason uh, for that person. And we spend so much time in the selection process, making sure that it is the right thing for uh, the person and their family. So a lot of times we, we don't have as much uh, turnover as you're describing because we spend mo uh, so much time on the front end, uh, making mm -hmm. sure it's the it's right for that person um, to the point where uh, we'll do interviews and, and all for sometimes years at a time. So just this last group of new operators that came on board, I just, you know, asked them, Hey, how long, how long have you been, uh, since you first applied for to work as, or applied at Chick-fil-A or, uh, applied, um, to be an operator and owner operator of a restaurant. One of the guys was like nine years and another guy said hey, 13 years. He was, he's been, uh, kind of, uh, in the, in the process of pursuing being a franchisee at Chick-fil-A. So wow. <laughs> and, and part of that is it, we want it to be right, you know, for them, make sure that they know and understand what's look like to smell like peanut oil and uh, <laughs> uh, every day when you're coming home, what it's like to deal with the, the challenges day in and day out of uh, running a restaurant. And, um, you know, the people, uh, the, the war, what, what operators are calling the war for talent, talent. So, you know, a lot of that is uh, kind of handled on the, the front end and making sure the selections uh, uh, of our people are, are right. We want it to be right for them and uh, that they have a full understanding of what they're, they're getting involved with. So we'll spend a, a, a lot of time uh, doing that. 
Well, when uh, I was just recently filling something out here right before we hopped on this, and uh, it was a uh, says, you know, what was it? What was a quote that's really impacted you in your leadership journey? I'm filling it out for this little little, little profile that I had, and I had to I had to think a lot about it because you know when you when you have that opportunity, it's like, what is the one thing? What is the one thing that you know if, if somebody were to you know were to ask you, so you want to be a little bit philosophical, you want to be a little bit intriguing, so that, cause, and I know that there's going to be other people with their quotes, and so I was trying to spend some time on it, and the one that kind of kept standing out to me was, hire for culture, train for expertise, and I think that what you're talking about is is, is a lot of that, to the extent of, I mean, you, you already have some of these employees, but you're, you're kind of grooming them up for that next level, that operator level, which is, you know, a really important role in a Chick-fil-A uh, in the Chick-fil-A family because those operators and those stores are the visual, physical representation of your brand to that community. And so you have to have the right people there and you don't want to make those changes because there's, I mean, after seeing the behind the scenes of what it takes to, to run a Chick-fil-A, I, I, I kind of went from being like, Oh man, you know, this is so easy. Arthur can do it. And now I'm sitting there going, wow, this is, there's a lot to this. And so, you know, knowing that, that you're spending that time uh, looking for the right person and making sure that they're the right kind of fit to be an operator to the extent of, you know, having somebody wait nine to 13 years to finally have an opportunity for something like that. I mean, that, that kind of uh, reinforces the importance of culture for you guys, because when you have that culture and you have somebody that's worked that hard to get into that role, they're going to appreciate that role that much, uh, that much more. And now they're, in, indirectly going to be basically proving, you know, hey, I, I was so committed to this and, and this is something that I wanted to do uh, that now I want to be as successful as I possibly can be. Exactly right. Yeah. We have a, we have 1,700 operators now that are part of the Chick-fil-A and part of my role specifically is helping support them and inspiring our organization to better support uh, our operators. Uh, because of all the tremendous amount of work that they're doing, you talked about how busy they are. Well, it's a it's a challenge each and every day uh, to to make that happen and and to do that work. And you know, part of there's uh, part of the responsibility uh, is it lies on uh, Chick Fil A Inc. to really um, to really uh, support them and uh, in that role. And we talk about it being a, a partnership, and so that the operators are in business for themselves, but not by themselves. And for our, for our role as to, as a, as a partner in this business and uh, support uh, role, it is, uh, it, it really does lift up that, that role of the owner operator and, uh, and uh, for us to really uh, come with them as a partner in this, uh, in this business uh, together with them. So I, part of what that looks like on a daily basis for me and, and my role is a, is really just this uh, inspiration and focus on kind of the what um, is called the the frontline obsession. This uh, this idea that uh, we don't have any cash registers at, at Chick Fil A Inc. Uh, that uh, that this is where it happens at is um, at our front counters and at the drive-throughs of uh, the Chick Fil A restaurants. And for us, we need to we kind of need to know and understand how our roles at the support center either directly or indirectly uh, support what's going on in the restaurant where the team member is uh, face-to-face with a, a customer. 
Yeah, I think that ties a little bit into your second mile mentality. That was one of the things that we learned a little bit more about when we were out uh, at your facility and, and, and learning about the organization itself. Um, because really, when it comes down to it, the product is is the is food, right? That's the commodity per se. But you're really in the people business and the service business. And so kind of overlaying that second mile mentality, when you guys were talking about that, I was kind of sitting there going, okay, um, you know, somebody who goes above and beyond that, that's, you know, just going the extra mile, right? But I believe if I understand correctly on the second mile mentality, it's going beyond that extra mile. It's going a mile beyond that in terms of service and helping out and everything else. And so a part of that is just changing that mentality of like, hey, it's it's not a cash register. Uh, You know, these, these are experiences that we have with our customers. And so if you can, can you talk a little bit about that second men, uh, mile mentality and, and how that kind of overflows into everything else that you do? Because I actually had somebody ask me after I visited there, like, what is, so what is, it, what is a true example of second mile mentality? And I was trying to rattle it off and I was like, man, I don't know that I have the, the exact one or one that really kind of uh, connects with it. So uh, I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on, on how you're able to implement second mile uh, into everything that you guys do. Well, modeling, of course, you know, Dan kind of talks about it inspired. Uh, our organization, he's like, yeah, what, when my grandfather first challenged the organization, he said, uh, when a customer says, thank you, I want you to say my pleasure. Well, that Horst Schultze was the one that uh, kind of started that at uh, the Ritz Carlton. Mm-hmm. And uh, my grandfather, when he noticed that a lot of our competitors were coming up with chicken sandwiches, he was like, you got a little, uh, he said, what's going to differentiate us? And he said, well, the operators have selected such great people. What? Let's uh, let's really dive into this and what we can do to serve customers. And so when he went to Horst Schultze uh, and kind of talking to him about uh, his business and hospitality, um, Horst Schultze said, uh, my, my grandfather got this idea, well, what if we said my pleasure at Chick-fil-A? He really liked the way it sounded. And Horst Schultze will tell the story. He, he'll bang his head on the table and he was like uh, banging his hand and he's a kind of the German kind of uh, accent and said uh, to Truett, he said, um, he said, Do, it, this will not work in fast food. This is not part of your industry. He's like, he was so emphatic and adamant that that was not the right move. And and uh, my granddad's just kind of hard-headed, I guess. <laughs> but that and it took us a little while from, from the first time we heard it. I remember looking down at my cousins when, he, when granddad first said it at one of our uh, big, um, we call them big Chick-fil-A family gatherings. But uh, once a year, we get together with all the operators and spouses and staff and spouses. And I remember looking down the row at my uh, cousins and being like, I said, at a fast food restaurant, you know, <laughs> what, what, what? And uh, so it took a, it took a number of us to, to a while to get onto this concept of my pleasure. Um, when somebody says, thank you, it's my pleasure. It kind of, it took us out of our comfort zone. Honestly, my uncle Dan said it took him two years uh, to, to get, to catch on to that. And, um, man, once he did, he, he was in a Bible, you know, uh, he was in his own study, but he was like, he was perplexed. He was trying to figure out what, what he was going to call service at Chick-fil-A. And, uh, he was like, you know, the five star, four diamond, whatever. He was looking at different names because he, he really, once he called on his, my pleasure, what about my pleasure service? What, what is he going to call this at, at Chick-fil-A? Cause it really uh, resonated with him. And in this Bible study in Matthew, uh, 541 where Jesus was given kind of the Sermon on the Mount talking about when somebody uh, hits you uh, he turned the other cheek and uh, mm-hmm. somebody steals your 
I can never get this right. Is it steals your uh, coat and you give him your shirt as well, or he get, steals your shirt and you give him your coat yeah. as well? <laughs> but uh, whatever, he was just saying these wild things, and and in that uh, and in that talk, and when he was talking, he also said challenge the followers. He said when somebody requires you to go one, one mile, go within the second mile, and so he took that and said, well, let's call it second mile service at Chick Fil A. We a lot of people talk about that going the extra mile and kind of that. And uh, that's kind of comes from that uh, that biblical uh, story of uh, Jesus, what he talked about, how it was recorded. So um, once once he came once he came up with that and challenged uh, the organization, he he made a video just kind of breaking out that story of Second Mile, where a Roman soldier uh, at that point in time in the in uh, in Roman uh, days, if you're walking, if they were walking on the Roman. Uh, roads and a civilian passed by a Roman soldier. The Roman soldier could require uh, a, the civilian to carry their pack, their sixty-pound packs, uh, with them for a mile. Mm. And uh, at that time, uh, it was uh, so. Jesus said, "Well, if you, if you required to go with them one mile, go with them the second mile." And you can imagine what the Roman soldiers like. Hey, this is—you've fulfilled uh, your deal. You know, I, I'll take it from here. The the civilian says, "I, you know, let me take it enough uh, another mile." And uh, mm-hmm. and he created this video where it's inspiring for all of us. And so that's kind of where um, I, for me, I was like, it really inspired me. And when I was what I call kicked out of the family business, that's what I wanted to go learn about uh, uh, more about. But uh, specifically, how does that look at Chick-fil-A? And part of our role at the support center, I'll talk about that, because you get many people get to experience that in the restaurants where uh, just you might, uh, if you have kids, you might have uh, food delivered uh, to your uh, table. They carry, they carry it to the table for you. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just special, unique things that, uh, that happen just where, where team members just kind of recognize uh, a need that uh, somebody might have and, and take care of that. But uh, for us at the support center, for example, we had a uh, distribution is a, a, ma- a major challenge for us um, just because of the growth that we're experiencing right now. Wonderful problems to have, but uh, very challenging when uh, a, a team or operator um, is concerned about not even having enough food to serve customer. Um, so uh, this distribution challenges that we've been experiencing in a, uh, in a number of different areas. We had staff members that would actually um, – Right when uh, we had issues in one area, staff members that would just go, uh, just show up there and uh, take deliveries from uh, the warehouses to to the restaurants uh, to help um, get the food that's needed. And um, and so for a while, even there was a matrix of uh, a schedule of events where uh, staff members would go spend uh, weeks up there at a time to to help the help and uh, make make that happen. And that kind of mentality of hey, they, when there's needs in the restaurants, let's let's not just contact the that warehouse and that company to um, ask them to you know uh, put the pressure on there, but to actually go and uh, be there. And uh, so that's an example. Second mile service was so incredibly blessed that I, some team members uh, or some staff members that would just go and um, go and do that. Well, I feel like that uh, that mentality, in terms of especially when they see it from a corporate level, that that helps breed that that loyalty and that appreciation. And I think that you know sometimes when we're we're talking about you know retaining talent, we're talking about the importance of culture. 
we talk about how people often they, they whenever they leave an organization it's not necessarily because of pay or or because of uh, anything else uh, other than they just don't feel appreciated in the jobs that they're in and it's sometimes it's as simple as saying you know thank you or recognize them and or you know giving them credit in, in, in a large crowd but you know going that next mile for for you guys is uh, getting in the trenches with them sometimes like you don't have to do that but you want to do that and that's that's part of the ingrained you know servant leadership type culture that you guys have there and i think as a direct result of that you see some of that longevity of those operators and those people that are willing to go home smelling like peanut oil because they know that hey chick-fil-a has got my back They're, they are invested in my success it's not a you know in business for yourself like you said uh or not by yourself um you know, we're, we're here for you. We're here to support you. And then you're, they're actually able to see that. And I think sometimes when somebody sees that and they, they feel that appreciation and they feel that, that part of it, um, that, that takes their, um, level of service to the next level to their customers. So it overflows then to the, to their team, hopefully from their team onto the customer all the way down to the point where, like you said, you're experiencing this, this, this huge amount of growth. And I think a large part of that is because, you know, now when we go into a Chick-fil-A or when I go into a Chick-fil-A, I have an expectation. Uh, I have an expectation that the food's going to be great. I have an expectation that I'm not going to have to wait in line very long. Um, that I'm, it's going to be in a clean atmosphere. Uh, and I think that, you know, when you're thinking from a corporate level, how do I, how do I make sure that that happens? How do we deliver on that promise? And I think through that appreciation, through that recognition, uh, through that second mile mentality, it's able to go all the way down to the individual store level instead of just kind of being like a, uh, a thing that's written on the wall at corporate, but isn't, isn't necessarily exercised all the way throughout the organization. That's right. When uh, an operator is celebrating a big increase and hit their goals and, uh, he actually took his uh, his directors, his leaders, uh, on a trip, and they had a inter international trip to Costa Rica that uh, that they had. He said he um, he had promised them if they would uh, when they hit the the goal that they would go and do that. But um, and these are you know uh, you know young people that are getting involved in you know business and uh, learning about what it uh, what it takes to run um, you know uh, you know multi-million dollar drive-through businesses if they're put in charge of the drive-through or uh, multi-million uh, dollar front counter experiences and uh, kitchens that are producing um, more food than any other uh, kind of food concept uh, that uh, that per you know square foot than anybody else and he he was uh, he just recognized them uh, and the importance that they had and and, and rewarding them with a, a, a trip uh, that, uh, that, uh, they, they could go into together. And some of them is their first flight for, uh, for most all of them is their first time out of the, the country. And, uh, so it was a really neat to see, um, an operator just recognizing his team and going that extra mile, uh, to really want, uh, to reward and encourage uh, their team members. Yeah. I wanted, you said something a little bit earlier and I wanted to kind of tune back into it is, uh, when you got kicked out of the business for a little bit, uh, that yeah. was, that was kind of part of part of your journey, and I think uh, when I met you, you had said that uh, you were the first person that they decided to implement that policy on. So you were kind of the bleeding edge of the spear in terms of testing out that whole, you know, get outside of the family of companies for a little bit and then come back. But I know that obviously, um, you know, Truett, whenever he was looking for, 
you know, different ways to grow the organization and, and to, you know, kind of communicate some of the things that you guys, uh, like core values that you guys had. So that second mile mentality, that my pleasure uh, part be, became a part of that. But I, he actually got that outside of the brand. He got that outside of uh, Chick-fil-A from, from Ritz Carlton. And so uh, I'm curious that in your time away from Chick-fil-A, were there some things that you saw outside of the organization that you were able to bring back to the organization when they, they finally let you back in after your hiatus? Um, that you, yeah. and some of the, some of that uh, maybe inspiration that, uh, you know, you get kind of stagnant in your thinking sometimes whenever, you know, you're, you're around everybody and, and, and doing everything else. So from an innovation standpoint, and I know you guys, we talked a little bit about the innovation side that you guys uh, invest in, but also yeah. from looking outside of the company, you know, what are, what are some things that you guys have seen outside of the company that you've been able to implement or have been inspired by on your end? One of the family business best practices is uh, to require the next generation to that are wanting to pursue a career with the family businesses to uh, and uh, require that they work outside the family business. And we had known about this uh, family business best practice for a number of years. And uh, and it was decided that to be implemented right when uh, I was graduating and making my plans to, you know, after doing those events out in California and going to work out there, I wanted to go tell the Chick-fil-A story out in uh, California. So that was my, that, that was part of my goal. And so I made those plans and was uh, about to do that in a few months when I was about to graduate from college. And uh, they implemented that policy or that rule right when my, my cousin and I were about to graduate. And so <laughs> We, we, we were saying this is pretty suspect on the uh, timing on this. Um, <laughs> they didn't tell us directly it was because of us, but uh, they we had the that, too? yeah, they, they did. They, they might as well have, uh, I'm not totally <laughs> sure about it, but um, yeah, we, uh, so, but that, but I say, you know, I'm, I make my plans and I feel like that God directs my paths. And, mm. you know, so for me, I, I get directed toward that, um, you know, I just heard about that Roman soldier video, just watched that. And I made my, said, if I can't go, you know, work at Chick-fil-A, I want to go learn uh, from uh, somebody that uh, somewhere that can help me. And um, I actually thought about going to work at Ritz Carlton and uh, then heard um, from a, uh, a friend of mine, actually through the church that I had that brokered the property uh, for Montage, uh, the Montage Hotel or Montage Resorts. And uh, he said, we're shooting you know, the montage was shooting for a little bit, um, doing, uh, what the Ritz Carlton does and trying to, uh, even, uh, do more than that. And actually it was going to be down the street from a, the first ones was down the street from a Ritz Carlton out in California. And so my piqued my interest cause it was out in California. So I was like, uh, I'm going to get out there one way or another. And, uh, so, uh, we moved out there. And one of the things that for me and, and working in that resort industry is, uh, just the uh, a couple of things. One is uh, the the importance of cross training and and spending time in uh, different areas of the business to have an understanding of what's going on uh, around you and how it all works together to really create a, a great customer experience. Um, it was you know part, part of our our training there to just spend time and of course all the different areas and uh, housekeeping uh, in the food and beverage in and, uh, you know, our security and uh, the valet services and our guest services, it was, it was an important part uh, to do that. And that's, that's uh, pretty common in a lot of different businesses. But I just saw how it creates an excellent customer service when 
when I understand what's happening at other areas in order to create a really a seamless uh, product and, and service. So that was part of it. And I remember passing, uh, passing a lot of these learnings on to uh, Michael Dan while I was out there uh, working in that resort. So that was uh, quite fun for me. And another, another piece of it was uh, a lot of our time and training was spent just on the basics and how it was, it was just basic on how, how you treat other people. And uh, so, for example, we'd just sit there and, uh, you know, or not sit there, we'd stand in two lines and face each other with other new, uh, new employees. And we would just work on our language and our eye contact and smiling and creating this, this um, environment where it was, it was about these interactions uh, with one another and uh, that basically shows honor, dignity, and respect for the other person. And uh, so, I mean, it's a lot of it is just, it, it's amazing how basic and, and simple these things and how much of an impact that that has on people's lives that you feel important, you feel cared for, you feel like uh, that, uh, that, that there's dignity and respect that's giving and, and somebody's and how they treated one another. So that was a pretty cool you know, thing for me to experience and, and how basic it was. And I said, you know, it was $800 a night to stay here at a hotel at the time. It's probably over a thousand dollars a night, say at that resort and, um, at montage. And I was in, I was like, Hey, the, a lot of this stuff that we can do at a Chick-fil-A restaurant and literally blow people away. And so that's what I, I even got more excited than ever about, uh, the opportunities we had at Chick-fil-A and, uh, and, and really inspired by an organization and Alan Forsman was our, our CEO. And, uh, he, ex he was kind of like granddad and he exemplified, uh, that, that mentality. And our mission there was to create highly personalized service and do it with humility and grace, uh, there at Montage. And so hi highly personalized service and with humility and grace and really Alan, the, he, he, embodied that uh, in all my interactions I had uh, with him and uh, it was really cool uh, to experience that and see the consistency of uh, what tried what that experience that uh, we tried to create there at montage but a lot of learnings that I you know it was really fun to kind of bring back to chick-fil-a and apply to the, the fast food industry it sounds simple right it sounds like common sense in terms of a lot of things but I think when you kind of break it down like that, you look at the value, right? So the value of a $800 to $1,000 a night hotel comes down to eye contact, smiling, the language that you have, honor, dignity, and respect. And I think that that's, a, obviously there's good rooms and there's, there's, there's amenities, right? But a lot of those key takeaways come from how you make somebody feel. And I think that people will pay more or they'll 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 uh, they'll feel more valued and they'll feel that they've um, more loyalty to something when you are more focused on how you make that person feel um, that they're willing to pay a premium for it. And I think it's awesome that you were able to look outside of the brand and and, and hopefully recognize some of the great things that the brand's doing, but also recognize and, and this is a challenge for me and, and for anybody listening that you can provide an $800 to $1,000 per night experience for not a lot of money. It really comes down to training and investing and putting a priority on those basics because you know whether it's a product that you sell, 
um, whether it's a service that you provide, um, whatever it is, if you implement some of these things, they're going to walk away feeling valued. They're going to walk away feeling appreciated. And when that happens, that loyalty comes. But it was something that really didn't necessarily cost you much to do. And I think even in today, that gets a little bit further lost in terms of, you know, everybody's got a screen in front of them. Everybody is going more digital. They're, they're less interactive. And I think that more personal experience is going to break even more. That's going to interrupt a person's day-to-day. And they're not even going to know why they love going to you. They're not even going to know why they, you know, have such a loyalty to your product. And I think a lot of that's going to come down to putting an emphasis on how you make people feel. One of the um, pieces of learnings that I had in working as a owner operator myself is I, uh, while I was out there in California, I took over a restaurant, um, opened a restaurant in San Marcos, North San Diego County. And, Part of one of my learnings there was um, it was a low brand awareness. It was back in 2006 when we opened up there, and uh, low brand awareness in Southern California at that point in time. And so um, it was it was not like your typical Chick Fil A uh, experience. If you walked into there, you might see one or two people, and uh, they were asking if uh, it was a former Krispy Kreme. Uh, uh, Donuts restaurant before or uh, Krispy Kreme donut shop before. So people were coming in asking, do, do we still serve, serve donuts? And had to explain to them they don't. Uh, we get phone calls. Is this AAA or is this a women's clothing store? It's like, no, this is Chick-fil-A. And yeah. so it was pretty interesting. I had to describe it as like, hey, it's like the this, uh, you know, in and out burger to uh, Southern California is like uh, what Chick-fil-A is to um, Atlanta, the, the South. Yeah. And so. They would kind of catch on, catch on, you know, that way. But um, for me, one of the, I guess, learnings that I had there is, you know, just managing a business on uh, really low volumes and uh, and the challenges that go along with that. And uh, the cha- you know, I'd much prefer the challenges of, you know, the 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 growing. But uh, at that, there's periods of time where it's just sales wise, it was it was really hard to make it work on our profit and loss statements. And uh, yeah. and for me. Um, you know, I, I knew what was most important. I knew that it was about getting, you know, Chick-fil-A, letting people taste Chick-fil-A and hearing a little bit about, uh, you know, who we are and experiencing it. And I had a business consultant that came and uh, spent some time with me and, and he asked me this question. He said, uh, he said, he said, what's most important to you? And so I told him those things by getting, you know, letting people try Chick-fil-A and, uh, you know, it's, letting them experience a little bit of, uh, you know, who we are and, and tell them that Chick-fil-A story. And, and he goes, do you mind if I go ask your leaders in your restaurant, what's uh, most important to you? I said, I said, sure, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah. You can see why uh, he, he, and he comes back and he said, what do you think they said? And I said, well, you know what I hope they said. And he said, they said that uh, labor costs is what you talk about the most often. And, mm-hmm. uh, and for me, you know, kind of knowing a, a growing business to be focused on, you know, costs in order to, you know, for the sustainability, there does have to be a, a cost focus managing those costs. But for, for that to be what all my leaders say is most important to me, it was like a huge gut check, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, for me. So um, I think, you know, I guess my, my takeaway from, from that was just like, hey, whatever I talk about most often, whatever I share most often, whatever, 
you know, whatever gets repeated uh, by me, that's kind of, that's kind of where, you know, others are going to kind of, you know, follow. And um, uh, so, you know, I, I guess for me just walking away with, Hey, it's, I need to be very careful about, you know, what I model uh, and what I repeat and what I talk about um, and whatever I do. So uh, that was, that was a, um, that was a time, time period for me that was a, a real challenge, but uh, is an opportunity that I you know, was able to, to learn a lot from. And so, you know, I think uh, part of my role now is I want to talk about the corporate purpose. I want to talk about what's most important in our business and, and repeat that. Um, you know, we, our purpose is, uh, we say, is to ultimately to glorify God. And we talk about how uh, by um, being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And for us internally, that's kind of our uh, rallying point. And I wish, you know, as a, as a, if I could go back in time that I would have um, been able to verbalize that and repeat the, the our purpose and, you know, our, our uh, sharing the Chick-fil-A uh, uh, food with, with guests and, Telling that, telling the story. I, th- I've, I wish I would could go back and tell myself to talk about and repeat those things, so that uh, my, my people would be able to, the people I get to work with uh, would be able to uh, know and understand that um, first and foremost. Well, I love how you hit on that because that's something that I've been learning over the last uh, couple of years. Is uh, you know, as, uh, really what you talk about, and 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 I think you said what you share the most, people will follow. And obviously, when you're in a when you're in a business and it's getting started, or you're in a little bit of a lull, you're a little bit of a plateau. That pressure starts coming down, and as a leader, right, you're responsible for all of it. You're responsible for the financials. You're responsible for the success of the, the company. Uh, when 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 something goes great, you get the credit to some extent, but when something goes wrong, you get the blame. And so, if you know that those are the metrics that the people are looking at, then that becomes something that you talk about. But it, it also reminds me of something that, you know, I, I, I'm trying to aspire to. And, and it's tough because, you know, I know that sales are important. I know that we, you know, we have to pay bills. I can't, I can't pay bills and I can't pay payroll in, in appreciation uh, or good intentions. And so, you know, you kind of have to find that balance. But I, I, I've, I've already tried to communicate this to my team. And it's something that, you know, after hearing you say this is something that I need to double down on even more is, you know, the metric, one of the big metrics that I track in, in my business is sales. How, what did we do today? You know, what, what, what was the numbers? And so that becomes the priority. But re- what I'd really like to do is I'd really like to celebrate the customer action, the reviews that we get, the, um, the, uh, the emails that we get of, you know, somebody saying, Hey, we really appreciate you helping out us and, you know, going above and beyond. If we can get to the point where we start celebrating those things. I believe that the sales do follow as a direct result of that. But I think often we get so hung up on the actual sales part of it or the numbers part of it that, uh, we forget to celebrate some of those, those metrics that, um, maybe, uh, don't look as flashy in, in when you're looking at a KPI, but at the same time, um, I think those are the most important thing. I would love for you know, me to have, instead of a sales board, uh, for me to have a, a board that basically says, you know, here's the positive reviews that we got. Here's the referrals that we got. Here's the, um, you know, the customers that were commenting on our Facebook page. Here's a, an opportunity that we were able to go above and beyond and go that second mile. And now we're celebrating that. If we start celebrating those things, um, I believe that the sales follow as a direct result of that. But as leaders, we're, we're so 
focused on those numbers that sometimes we, we, we don't balance those things out. And I think, you know, one of my key takeaways from what you're talking about here is, you know, figuring out a way to celebrate those things because what I'm talking about now is what my team is, is paying attention to. And when they pay attention to that, they're not paying attention to being respectful. They're not paying attention to, you know, how they're, how they're making people feel or whatever else they're just, they're forcing the sales part of it. And that's not the kind of organization that, that we want. So I appreciate you kind of sharing that and, and hope and re-inspiring me on those things. And, and, and I know that it works. And I think we all know that it works, but sometimes we, we forget that, you know, as stewards and, and, and when we talked about, you know, you know, uh, how do we bring glory to God? I don't think we bring glory to God by, you know, selling a bunch. I don't, I don't think that he, he, he goes, well, you know, I, 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 in the 10 commandments, one of the commandments was how much can you sell? It's not that it's, it's, did you love your neighbor? Did you, did you respect other people? Did you give to the poor? Were you charitable? You know, we start focusing on those values and those values become our KPIs. I think everybody's business looks a lot different at that point. Right. I talk about this key performance indicators when, a couple of ones that we kind of look at on kind of the front sheet or the one that you, you kind of look at first, I think the, uh, the, the customer satisfaction, um, the, uh, the value, uh, customer value. And then also, I guess a, a big one is that net pro net promoter score. So, um, how, how likely are you to recommend uh, Chick-fil-A? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so yeah, those, those are key ones, uh, that we use. And, um, you know, we, we talk about the three-legged stool stool on decisions that we make. It's like we, get, we talked about the importance of the operator and you know their their involvement and that local ownership. But uh, that is one of the legs of uh, of the stool, and you know, staying focused on that. And we talk about it has to be uh, a good business decision and the stewardship uh, mindset of one that we can uh, deliver on uh, and deliver on well. So it's got to be it's got to work for Inc. But um, you know the talking about that, uh, that customer and the, the, the customer experience is the, uh, is a key, um, you know, is a key part of that third, le three, third leg of the th three legged stool. That's kind of how, um, from a decision making standpoint, we're really working on how to, uh, the strength of your decisions are, are ones that are made with, uh, those, um, key, key inputs. Absolutely. Well, Mark, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to speak to our audience, to spend time with me and invest in me as a leader uh, from back in December to today. I want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to your audience. I always kind of give uh, my guests a, a, a chance to speak directly to them. Hopefully by now you have a good understanding of who they are. But the way that I look at this is, is really your opportunity to maybe talk to a 10-year younger version of yourself. What would you say to that next generation business leader who's finding themselves in that leadership role, who's trying to get to that next level, um, and they're, they're trying to identify what are what are the important things in my leadership journey, and what is, what is something that you wish you had heard or wish you had embraced a little bit more when you were starting that journey? So you mean beside telling uh, my all my leaders that labor costs was the most important <laughs> thing in the world? Yeah, besides that. <laughs> okay, so the challenge uh, that I, I and I kind of took some notes on uh, this and um, but uh, here's the, the challenge I wrestled with over my time as a, a leader is that, you know, as a young, young person, I'm, I spent all this time preparing and prioritizing for the, you know, the role, uh, the career that I was going to have. Um, I even chose my school and degree and major and classes, you know, based on what I was thinking. I, the career tests, I think about all the, uh, exams and the internships and certifications, uh, you know, the, 
how I looked at my resume and built that. Um, also, you know, spend time with career co coaches and counselors and mentors. And, you know, I, I and from the time I graduated uh, from college, I was like, I went, I wanted to do graduate school and continue that. I wanted to, you know, do those jobs like the, the montage that would help lead to uh, what I wanted to do at Chick-fil-A. Um, of course, I would practice interviews, attend conferences, seminars, trade journals, read newspaper articles, business reviews, and like all the case studies from school. But um, and then I, and then I, you know, asked, you know, what, what do I do that for? And, you know, it was to prepare and prioritize, you know, for my career roles and what those were going to be. And, um, and then I <laughs> looking back at kind of, um, some numbers, uh, when I was going to talk, I found that like, uh, that the role that is, um, I found that the role is 73% more likely to be doing something other than we spent all what, what we spent all our time pursuing. Um, yeah. and then like, and then whatever curl, uh, career role we have, um, I also think about this is that we're replaceable. Mm -hmm. uh, so tomorrow, um, say something were to happen to me, that it were completely re uh, replaceable. I, you know, somebody's going to had the role before me and uh, it's going to have, somebody's going to have it at after me. I guess if I go back, I just remind myself that there are other key roles in life. And, um, you know, I think I, you know, whether, uh, that's in the key relationships that you have and, um, or, like for me and preparing to be a, a husband, uh, to be uh, a father, you know, how much time and effort comparatively to my preparation for career did i do i spend thinking about those key roles and the roles that only i can play like i'm only the you know the the role that i can play is the first husband to my wife like um i i will be the only first husband she will ever have you know something to happen to me she might get married again but uh i'll be the only <laughs> first per you know husband she'll ever have and my role as a husband um is, is so critical. And then I'll be the only father, you know, uh, to my, uh, three children. And, um, you know, and for, for me, um, those are kind of irreplaceable roles and, uh, in the preparation, you know, the preparation and prioritization of those roles, you know, how much time do I, I spend on that? And so I, I would go back and ask my younger self that question. And, um, and better uh, prepare myself as a uh, younger business leader in those areas, uh, recognizing that. Uh, I'll tell you one story. So when I was working as a Chick-fil-A operator in that restaurant, you know, we were, I was newly wed and um, my wife and I, I thought it'd be, her love language was quality time, which where love languages, like some people are, are gifts and words of affirmation or acts of service. But for my wife, she just, it's just quality time. If I, do something intentional with her um, and spend some quality time, you know, her tank is filled. Yeah. And for, for, uh, for me, I thought, Hey, well, let's working in this restaurant together. We'll get, you know, 10 hours of quality time a day, just, you know, serving side by side, working in, in a working environment. I thought that was the best idea in the world. It sounded great. Right. Yeah, but uh, it turns out that's not the case. Uh, it didn't qualify as quality time, uh, you know, for her. So, you know, going back and telling my, you know, myself at, at that you know, younger age to really dive dive into uh, really finding out what uh, what that 
uh, husband relationship and then, um, you know, went five years without kids. And so, but preparing myself for, you know, being a father, I think were, were two, um, two key roles that I was going to play in life. And so, you know, I think, uh, I think that's, uh, that's a, that's what I'd go tell myself. What am I, what am I spending my time preparing and prioritizing in, in life? And, uh, and I probably would, um, go back and, uh, refocus on that, um, at, at that point in time, uh, to be able to better, uh, focus on what's most important. Thank you for sharing that. I think that, uh, in all the times that I've asked, asked those questions, I think, uh, that's the first time that I've, I've, I've heard that part of it. And I, it's so true that we don't spend that much time preparing for those irreplaceable roles. We definitely spend a lot of time preparing for our career and preparing to be a success. And I think we become very eye focused at that point too. And I think when you're talking about being the role of being a father and the role of being a husband, that kind of takes the attention off of you yourself and it puts it more again into that servant mentality and realizing that those roles, those irre, irreplaceable roles, are roles that you're investing in other people and you're investing in their experience because that's a, that's definitely a role that you play. That's something that, you know, you're walking into. And I think that that even kind of goes back into, you know, when we've had conversations about marriage and relationship and all that other stuff on these podcasts, talking about how when you get married and when you have kids, it, it goes away from being me focused to we focused. And when we, when we're we focused, we, we recognize the roles that we play in other people's lives and the importance of those roles, especially when we're raising kids. And especially when it comes to, um, you know, this, you know, the, the teamwork that happens when you're married and, and you're being a, a, a spouse to somebody, you know, you have, they have needs that you need to fulfill for them. That's a responsibility that you have now. They have needs for you, but if you're focused on uh, providing the needs that for the needs that they have, as a direct result, your needs are then then met. But I think a lot of times we just focus on, well, you're not doing this for me, so I shouldn't do that for you because you have not done it for, for me first. And as leaders, and especially leaders in our homes, we have to recognize that it's our job first to set the example. It's our job first to invest in them. And when we do that um, as a direct, as an indirect result, uh, we find that our needs are, are therefore met as well. So thank you for uh, communicating that, for taking the time to, to, to share your, your leadership journey with our, with our audience today. I, I, I'm so grateful for the time um, that you guys spent with us back in December and giving me the opportunity to, to share this with, with my audience and, and with my team. So um, thank you again for, for everything that you guys have done. I'm hoping that we can keep this dialogue going because I think that as we're growing as leaders, as you're growing in the role that you have, um, that these are some of the things that I wish I had heard a lot longer ago when I was when I was uh, uh, getting started in my leadership journey. And so that's that's the purpose here is to to how can we take some of the things that we've learned on our journeys and share that with the next generation, share that with our peers, because if we can all grow as leaders and we can grow uh, in in how we're being servant leaders and and in fine tuning those principles that we have in life. I think that that our organizations will be better as a direct result of it. Our families will be better as a, a direct result of that. And our relationships will be better as a direct result of that. Listeners, remember, choose to connect, seek development and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast.